You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Our scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 14. It's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And I wanted to just explain a little bit about today's passage and uh, what makes it a little bit different. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle other than the miracle of the resurrection that we find in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so uh, today's story tells us Uh, that the disciples had nothing but five loaves and two fish to feed the crowds with. It's the John Gospel that has the story of the boy who offered his lunch, his five loaves and two fish. And so as we go over this, um, we allow the John story to influence how we read the Matthew story. And, um, And I think it's just helpful for us to Think about all four accounts at once. Here are the words from Matthew. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was the evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over from the, uh, of the broken pieces, and there were twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children." This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Baked beans are my go-to potluck dish. It's my mom's recipe. Uh, One year for Christmas, several years ago, probably 20 or so now, she gave me a recipe box for Christmas that was full of all of the recipes that I ate growing up, all of the foods that I associate with my mom, all of those recipes. And in that was a recipe for baked beans. And when you pull out the card and look at that recipe, it's just a list of ingredients. And then it says, bake at 250 forever. When I received it, though, I had been making baked beans for a few years, and so I knew actually how to make them, but I still called my mom and gave her a hard time and said, I'd like to know how much of each of these ingredients I should be putting in the baked beans, Mom. And she said, come on, Amy, you're my daughter. Just make sure everything balances. 
And the magical thing about my mom's baked beans is that no matter how much of each ingredient you put in, they always turn out good. So I always take them to potlucks. I love potlucks. I've missed them during the pandemic. I like trying new dishes. I like uh, finding new salads and jellos and things like that. A recent favorite recipe uh, that I tried at a potluck was a cheesy pineapple casserole. Imagine that, it's kind of different, but it was amazingly delicious and I asked for the recipe. We make a lot of jokes about Methodists and potlucks. There are even memes on, uh, that we can find on social media that uh, share about how Methodists like to have potlucks. We like to bring our food. We like to share it. I think it's kind of fun. The symbol of the United Methodist Church should be the covered dish. But I kind of love that we're known for potlucks. At potlucks, everyone brings their favorite dish. We all offer what we have. And when we put it all together, it's a feast. Today's scripture is a story of a great potluck. But it begins with frustration and a need for a break. Now, Jesus and his disciples are in desperate need to get away. It's been a whirlwind time. Um, word about Jesus was spreading, and the, they had been spending days where Jesus addressed the crowds, where he was doing healings and miracles, and, it, and just teaching lessons on parables and all of that. He'd been traveling around, and every day was long. At the end of uh, Matthew chapter 13, we see this. We see the parables. We see the miracles. And at the end, Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth, where he's kicked out for declaring um, that the prophecy was being fulfilled through him. Uh, so he's run out of town. And then at the very beginning of chapter 14, where our scripture comes from today, just before the feeding of the 5,000, John the Baptist is killed and Jesus receives word. And his disciples are scared and everyone is worried and they're wondering if Jesus is next. And the scripture says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. They all needed a vacation. They needed it to get away, to rest and recoup where no one would bother them. They get all ready to go and what happens? The same thing that happens to us and certainly happened to us over the past two years. Plans get canceled, flights were postponed indefinitely, hopes are dashed, or prior to COVID, a kid gets sick or has to pick up his schedule the day and get his picture taken the day you're supposed to leave, or something comes up at work, or you get a call that your parent has fallen and needs help, or the car breaks down, or your water heater needs to be replaced, and all of your plans go out the window, or at least get postponed. And maybe just a few days it will happen, or maybe next year. Or you go, and you spend the whole time worrying about what's happening back home, what's waiting for you. So you never mentally go on vacation. For Jesus, the crowd started to, to descend. They wanted more from him, more of his teaching, more of his 
miracles and he indulges because what else would Jesus do? We don't know what the disciples were doing. I can imagine that they were looking forward to some time away. Were they there complaining, wanting a break? Were they taking a break or just standing around? Evening comes and they're hungry and they tell Jesus, enough is enough. We need to send everyone away. They're hungry. And Jesus says, it's not a problem. They can stay. You give them something to eat. We can just imagine what the disciples really said, the part that didn't get included in Matthew's gospel. Feed them? Are you crazy? These people just invited themselves over, ruined our vacation, and you want us to feed them. There's thousands of them. It's impossible. For sure, it seems impossible. And we can certainly relate to that feeling. We get overwhelmed at all that needs to be done, especially when we're exhausted. We get overwhelmed in our lives, in our homes, in the world, when we look at everything. In fact, the world is what probably overwhelms us the most. The problems that we see in the world make us feel hopeless. We feel helpless. Today's statistics tell us that a child dies from hunger every five seconds, that 13.7 families in the U.S. are food insecure, that in the U.S. nearly 20 people a minute are abused by their partner, and that currently 45 million people are functionally illiterate. And more than one mass shooting a day has occurred in the United States since the start of 2021. I don't know about you, but I think of any of those statistics and I get overwhelmed. There's so much to do and there's simply not enough resources to handle it all. Or at least that's what we've been taught. That's the mindset that gets adapted, a scarcity mindset where big problems can't be fixed. So there are winners and there are losers and we don't have enough and things can't be done and we forget about God's abundance, God's provision, and scarcity becomes our reality. Dr. Robert Schuler once told the story of George dancing. George was late to class one day Uh, And so when he got in, he saw that on the board there were two math problems, so he wrote them down, assuming that they were homework. He worked on the uh, problems for a few days and brought them into class and apologized for taking so long to complete the assignment. He told the professor that the problem seemed harder than usual. The professor just told him to put it down in a pile full of papers Maybe it would be lost forever. Six weeks later at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning, George hears banging on the door and he goes to answer it and his professor is there excitedly holding his paper. He's so excited. The problems on the board weren't homework. They were examples of two math problems that were considered unsolvable. Now, George never would have tackled those problems if he knew they were unsolvable. Sometimes things are impossible because we declare them to be. I've heard that Charles Kettering, when he was head of research at GM, once explained that when he wanted a problem solved, he'd gather his staff together, but before they met, he would first place a table outside of the room where they met, And he would say, 
uh, on a sign, there it said, leave your slide rules here. Because if he didn't do that, he'd find someone researching uh, through his slide rule. He would reach out for his slide rule, and uh, in the middle of the meeting, when uh, Kettering had presented a difficult problem, just a few seconds, a few minutes after presenting that problem, the person would be on his feet saying, boss, you can't do it. But if the slide rule wasn't there, that wasn't part of the conversation. Jesus said to the disciples, you give them something to eat. And the disciples replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. And Jesus blessed the food and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave it to the crowds and all ate until they were filled. Feeding 5,000 people seemed like an unsurmountable task. The disciples said, boss, we can't do it. And yet a miracle happened that day, a miracle of God's abundance. Jesus took what was offered and multiplied it, and that's what happens whenever we offer what we can. When I read this miracle story, I can't help but ask myself, what if the miracle was in the sharing of the bread and the fish itself? What if the boy, or the one who offered his lunch, never thought it was impossible to feed everyone with what he had? What if the miracle is that offering inspired others? It's hard to believe that people left home and were gone all day without bringing any food. What if when they saw this bread and fish being offered, everyone decided to take out what they had and to share it? And the potluck was born. What if instead of fearing that there wouldn't be enough, they simply ha gave what they had and trusted God? What if that's the miracle? Everyone offered what they had, and it was a feast. It makes you think, what can God do through us when we offer what we have? our talents, our prayers, our financial gifts, our service. Think about it. Dream about it. There are a lot of problems in the world. They seem insurmountable. But guess what, friends? God has called us to be the church, and when the people who make up the church offer what we have, there's a feast. Now, I, I bet you're kind of wondering and thinking, what do I have to offer? What are my bread and fish? Because really, each one of us can offer something. And so I know that one of the things that people ask me often is, what is something that I can do for the church? How can I serve? What can I give to? Is there a special project? And so I want to just offer a few things, make sure that you know some opportunities. This past week was the first uh, parent meeting for confirmation. There's another one this week to inform them about confirmation and all that goes on with that program. You may be familiar with the kingdom assignment that we give to our confirmands. We give them each $100 and ask them to take that money to use their gifts and multiply that money 
for the building of the kingdom. And so they'll identify a project, they'll um, use their gifts to raise money for that project and make a difference in the world. We give each kid $100. This year we will have probably 14 kids in the confirmation program. If you'd be interested in being a part of uh, making the kingdom assignment possible, of sponsoring that, uh, you can text to give, give online, you can talk to me, um, and I would be glad to tell you more about it and how to do that. Um, or simply write a check and put kingdom assignment in the memo or confirmation in the memo. You know that we've been collecting backpacks and we traditionally help 300 kids in our community by giving them back-to-school backpacks. We've been collecting through uh, today, or this Sunday, and if you would like to continue to help us fill in the gaps, then that's something you could do as well by texting to give or giving online or giving a check um, and putting Lighthouse backpacks in the memo. That's another way you can give. Another way that you can give is by helping ministry in general in our church to happen. Um, it's summer. In the summer, we almost always have a deficit. And this year, we have a deficit. And um, your gifts and your offerings make our ministry possible. And so if you would like to offer your loaves and fish by texting to give, giving online, uh, sending in a check, uh, to help with the deficit, your gift will be put to good use as we continue to change lives. You know, I've talked already last week about a survey, and I hope that you will fill that out when you get it. I want to just make sure everyone knows it's coming. It's a five-question survey that you can fill out that can help us to help you to use your gifts in the church. Your, your gifts that you offer, your talents, your time, your uh, loaves and fishes, we will help you to put good, to good work in serving God and serving the church. And so we hope you'll fill out that survey. And don't forget also on September 12th is a ministry fair where you have an opportunity to come and sign up to be part of our missions and ministries. You can be a part of the choir. You can share your fish and your loaves by being a part of the choir. And of course, uh, now that we have welcomed Reverend Christy White, she has to um, finish recruiting Sunday school teachers and, and helping um, our kids to be put into classes and things. And so if you would like to teach Sunday school, that's another way that you can share your loaves and fishes. Everything we need, we already have. And this is a generous church. And when we are generous, lives are changed, a difference is made, people are fed, children are taught, God's people feel loved and valued, and we glimpse the kingdom of God. We are each and every one of us a part of this church, and each and every one of us is needed. You have unique gifts that make our church better. Your offerings enable us to be the church. You're all we have. We're all we have. What you give is all we have for our operations, for our ministries, for our programs. To happen, it takes you. It takes your time, your talent, your treasure, and God will take what each of us offers and bless it and multiply it. Friends, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. We can dwell on that, or we can trust in a God of abundance who invites us and calls us and equips us 
and reminds us that all we need, we already have because God has given it to us. May God take what we offer, multiply it, and use it for the furtherance of God's kingdom here on earth. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.